Occupy, a job on Wall Street, is an autobiographical novel about New York City and the aughts, centering around a protagonist who is mentored by three sociopaths. The author has more than 15 years of experience on Wall Street bracketing the same time period. While everything that follows is an accurate description of the world he witnessed, names and locations have been changed to protect people's identities. Episode 26 Simple Truths Bluntly Spoken Iceland seems like an intriguing country. Now, if you're like most people, you've never given much thought to the place, other than some vague comprehension that it doesn't get much sun and the women may be hot. But I've recently heard three fascinating things about Iceland, which in turn reminded me about one of the most interesting people I met early in my career. The first thing I was told is that a local genius there invented one of the first dating apps, and he did it for a pretty important reason. It turns out Iceland is so sparsely populated that you need to be careful you don't accidentally fuck your cousin during the long winter nights partying. So this guy created an app that you log your DNA into and when you bump phones with someone, you can tell whether any potential offspring will have three heads or whatever. Cool, huh? The second random factoid about Iceland is that it was the epicenter of the 2008 global financial crisis. As Trump would say, not many people know this. Now, the reason I understand Iceland's role in the crisis is I worked at one of the hedge funds that predicted the end of the credit bubble and profited massively from it. But this episode is not about me, but about one of the analysts who managed to put the pieces together and then inadvertently set the whole thing off with a bang. Now, as a trader back then, I didn't really care why I was buying, selling, shorting, or covering an investment. I just wanted to do that one job well. I didn't know anything about the investment process, nor did I generally care what happened to the investment after I executed it. As long as the account was making money, it was of little consequence to me how they did it. But occasionally I'd get to know one of the analysts better, usually when they showed some interest in the trading desk. In any case, we had an analyst at my shop, let's call him Gunnar. The name Gunnar is like Smith or Gupta, but for an Icelandic guy. He wanders down to the trading desk one day and starts asking pretty good questions about what we are doing. Happy to have someone show a genuine interest in our operations, I'm explaining what adverse selection means and he suddenly says to me, I hear you like to drink. Well, yes. Yes, I do. I've never gone drinking with men before. Will you take me with you? Now, Gunnar was a weird person. Sometimes I'd come into the office and he'd be standing ramrod straight in the hallway, just staring at the wall, lost in thought and absolutely unresponsive. But I like weird people. So I said yes and asked him to meet me at the Spotted Pig at 6pm. 6, 6 o'clock rolls around and we are getting after it. The fund is up 10% on the year while everyone else is losing their shirts around us. So we have a reason to party. Gunnar matches us drink for drink and he starts to loosen up. We compliment him on his investments, and he even gets uncharacteristically arrogant. By the time the two of us go outside for a cigarette, he's puffing out his chest, and he starts up a conversation with an Irish guy outside. The guy asks Gunnar what he does, and Gunnar says, I am a rock star. The Irish guy looks bemused and says, I'm a rock star too. We go back into the bar, and later on, the two of them strike up a conversation again. They talk for like an hour, I think. I can't recall exactly with all the chaos around us. But as we're leaving, the bartender asks us how our Icelandic buddy knew Bono. 
To this day, I don't think Gunnar knows who he was talking to. A few months later, Gunnar comes down to the trading desk and asks me what I do to stay in shape. He had suddenly decided that, since he was in his 30s, for longevity reasons, it was time to start an exercise routine. Now, I'm no Van Dam, but like most traders, I lift weights four or five times a week, try to watch what I eat, and do cardio on top of that. I tell him he needs to join a gym, and I give him the name of a place local to his apartment. Skip forward six months into the next summer, and I run into Gunnar wearing a t-shirt. The guy is ripped. I mean, it's crazy the transformation that he has undergone. If I said he has put on 25 pounds of muscle and lost 25 pounds of fat, I wouldn't be doing him justice. I ask him how he did it, and he looks at me a little confused and says he went to the gym like I told him to. I press him for more details, and he says he walked in on the first day and saw someone who looked really fit. So he went over to this gym head and asked him what sort of exercises he was doing to be in that sort of shape. They ended up working out together for six months, and that's what happened. He says the guy's name is Colin. Colin Kaepernick. This guy was working out with Colin Kaepernick, thinking that's what people did at the gym. To this day, these two guys are friends, and I'm sure Gunnar still has no idea what Kaepernick, or for that matter, what the NFL does. So what I'm trying to impress upon you is Gunnar is a strange guy with no understanding whatsoever about how normal people conduct themselves in public. Now, before I explain how Gunnar helped blow up the world in 2008... I want to spend a minute on how Iceland was the canary in the coal mine for the financial system. For a multitude of reasons, in 2007, Iceland had greater interest rates than the rest of the world and therefore was part of what is known as the carry trade. This is when traders will sell one currency with a low interest rate and buy another that yields a higher interest rate. The difference between the two streams of income is basically free money for them. But when they bought the Icelandic currency, which is known as the krona, they had to do something with the money, of course, and it ended up in the three big Icelandic banks, none of which anyone could pronounce. The Icelandic banks then took this money and invested it in illiquid assets all around the world, shoveling money into obscure financial instruments like coal into the Titanic's boilers. This continued until the Icelandic financial system was something like ten times as big as the real economy there. So in 2008, just as people are starting to get a bit nervous at all this leverage in the system, the heads of the major Icelandic banks are doing a roadshow with Lehman in New York City. A roadshow is basically when senior management from companies leave the C-suite to pitch their overseas investors and update them on their latest company news. We send Gunnar along to the investor lunch, almost as an afterthought. Now there was a lot of investor interest in Iceland, so there's hundreds of hedge fund managers at this lunch, which has to be expanded to three or four conference rooms with television set up so everyone can listen at once. About halfway through the presentation, Gunnar gets a chance to ask a question, and he stands up and asks the CEOs of these three large banks if they still believe in elves. You heard that right. Elves. The third thing about Iceland I want to tell you is the people who live there believe in elves like in Lord of the Rings. Whichever CEO has the microphone sort of stutters unconvincingly, but Gunnar's not done. He asks why investors should believe anything they're being told if the people telling it think there are elves running around their houses at night and that 13 ugly trolls visit their children on Christmas. It's lost to history what the CEO has to say about this, but 
I gather he retorts something about Westerners still believing in Santa Claus and that the Bible was written by a bunch of dehydrated Jews wandering around in the desert. But the damage is done. Every one of those hedge fund managers at the conference goes back and reverses their Icelandic krona carry trade. There's a run on the banks, which have something called duration risk, which means there's a fatal mismatch between their assets and liabilities. Basically, they can't get their money out of where they've reinvested it. Relative to the size of its economy, Iceland's systemic banking collapse was the largest experienced by any country in economic history. This rippled around the world, carrying out banks and investors everywhere. And that's the story of how a semi-autistic guy named Gunnar from Iceland blew up the world. Episode 27, Flash Crash, will be released soon. Please subscribe to listen.